2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 8, and will be on the screen. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with, with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up the sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather round them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all, the, all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. Well, a very good evening to all of you, and thank you so much for coming tonight. Uh, we've, uh, we've been looking at John 17, uh, but we're going to just take a week out uh, with all that's happening across the world uh, and in our own nation and just concentrate a little bit more on that. I'd also like to say that my dad is here. He's just over here. So a big round of applause for my dad. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> Although he doesn't look it, he is over 70, so he's taking a great risk, just in being outside. Uh, but <laughs> If we could have the first slide, please, Georgie. So, how are you feeling? Um, it's a strange old time, and uh, I just, I've been thinking this week about all kinds of things, but I've been sort of just looking in a bit and thinking about my own anxieties. Uh, we, at the 8 o'clock service this morning, at, can you believe that? People get up at 8 o'clock to come to a service. It's, it's unreal. Uh, but, and we decided that we need to self-isolate from the news uh, because it's just so uniformly depressing. Uh, and it sort of, it just, it stokes up all the fear and all the anxiety uh, that we're, all, we're feeling already. And so I thought I'd just, I, and since I just share with you some of the things that I've been anxious about and that I've been taking in prayer to God this week. Uh, like many of you, maybe maybe all of you, uh, I have anxiety about my own health. Am I going to get coronavirus? I had a text from my doctor's surgery this week, very thoughtfully. I'm a mild asthmatic. I'm 51. I'm a man. And so that means my risk is slightly elevated. And so they text me to point that out, which is... I thought very kind uh, of them, um, very generous and thoughtful. I'm anxious about my family and my friends, uh, many of whom are medics or who are otherwise on the front line of all of this. What's going to happen to them? Are they going to be okay? 
I'm anxious as a newbie here at Christ Church uh, about my own leadership. Uh, this is a time of crisis and challenge. How am I going to be? Am I going to do okay or am I going to muck things up? I've been thinking about our church services and ministries and being anxious about that. Are they going to uh, make things worse? Are they going to contribute uh, to the spread of coronavirus? Is someone going to come up to me and say, you know, you gave me corona? <laughs> yeah, 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 Craig wants a corona, which is entirely different. Or not, or are we making things better? Uh, will the church lose its momentum? You know, the last few months have been so extraordinary across the church, particularly here at the 6 o'clock service. Are we going to lose our momentum? Is the church going to run out of money? I don't know. But those are some of the things that I've been anxious about just in my own spirit and my own heart, and maybe you being anxious too. Uh, but we're going to turn very briefly uh, to that uh, part of 2 Timothy 4 that Lynn uh, read for us. And I just want to pull out from there, I think, one or two really key things uh, that we need to hold on to as this tsunami of fear and anxiety threatens us. But we as Christian people see it uh, very differently. So if we could have the next slide, uh, please, Georgie. We learn in this passage, as we learn so many places in Scripture, that we are always living in the valley of the shadow of death. We are always living there. Two of the most frequent images that the Bible uses for us as people, the first one is mist, making the point that we are like the mist. We're, we're that ethereal. We, we're here one moment, and we're gone the next. Uh, the second image that the Bible uses is grass, uh, cut grass that is flourishing at one moment, then the next minute is cut down and uh, withers so quickly, like almost before uh, your very eyes. So we tend to say, as Christian people, we tend to quote Psalm 23, living in the valley of the shadow of death, when things are difficult or bad. We see that as a way of describing a particularly challenging part of our existence. But actually, the Bible's very clear that we are always living in the valley of the shadow of death. That is how it is. We are always living with an understanding of our own mortality, that any one of us is finite and temporary. Now, we do this in a really particular way. We do it gratefully, and we do it joyfully, and we do it hopefully, but we all live in the valley of the shadow of death in the sense that it will come to every single one of us. We all live there. You talk to anybody who's been recently bereaved, and they will say their whole outlook on life has changed. You talk to somebody who's just had a really challenging prognosis about an illness that they have, been told they've got days or weeks to live totally changes the way that they live. But the truth is that we all, whatever age we are, live in the valley of the shadow of death. And Paul in this passage gives us that wider perspective. He reminds us uh, that one day each one of us uh, will stand before God as our judge 
as well as our Redeemer. And he writes, uh, we think when he writes this, Paul is nearing the end of his life, or certainly senses that he's nearing the end of his life. And that's because he's been arrested. He knows he's going to go to trial in Rome. And we know that he was executed for his faith at some time at the end of the 60s AD. And so he has this sense, my time is short. My life has been poured out, he says. I'm coming towards the end. Now, the vast majority of us, of course, have no idea about how long uh, we are going to live. Uh, here's a news flash. We are not all going to die from coronavirus. Seriously, we are not. Uh, God willing, none of us will. But we will all die. And we will uh, all go uh, to be with Jesus on his return. And Paul describes Christian people in verse 8 as those who are longing for his return. That is, in his view, who a Christian is. People who are longing for his return. I reckon most of us would want to change that language and say we might be accepting of his return. We might be glad that he will return one day. But the image that the Bible uses is those who are longing for his return. Now, this is not kamikaze theology, uh, or even worse, it's not uh, kill yourself and kill others theology. This is Christian theology that says that death has no final harm that it can do us, no sting in the tail for those who are Christians. As ch children of Jesus, we, th we see things differently. We do walk in the valley of the shadow of death in the sense that we acknowledge our mortality, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But... We also live in the valley of the shadow of the cross. And the cross of Christ flings a longer and a deeper shadow than death itself. And as it says in the Psalms, we are safe in the shadow of the Lord. There's a place not of fear, but of safety, of refuge. If we have the next Slide, please. I want to focus on two things that Paul says we need to do at a time of uncertainty and a time of anxiety, uh, for surely uh, that is where we are now. He says we should preach the word. He says preach the word. It's never the wrong time, he says, to share our faith. Now, preaching the word means sharing the hope we have in us, sharing the love of God, sharing that trust we can have in him and how that puts other things into perspective. That's what preach the word means. And in fact, Paul would say the greater the danger and the uncertainty, the better the time it is to share our faith. And so whatever, behold, whatever in a sense, unfolds for us during these coming months, it may be that we have to change some of the things that we do, cancel some of the things we do. We will all remain here at Christ Church people of hope, people who are able to share their faith uh, with others. 
This is going to be an, an amazing time to be a Christian. We understand that all people in our world are wounded by greed and by sin and have, have, in a sense, have a natural instinct to hide from God. We understand, uh, to use, uh, of course, a very contemporary uh, image, that the whole of humanity is infected by a virus, one uh, that, in a sense, makes us selfish and self-centered and greedy. And it's a virus with no known cure. We can't have a vaccine against it. We can't be treated for it, but we can be rescued from it uh, by that great doctor of our souls, uh, Jesus Christ. We understand at this time uh, that everybody needs encouragement, even if you're made of steel or your heart is made of stone, or so you think, actually, all of us need encouragement. Not cheap and cheery encouragement, but deep and gracious and prayerful support. Paul describes it as uh, great patience and gentle instruction. That should be our attitude towards each other. And so this is a time for established Christians. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. This is a chance for all of us to be models of grace and trust to others. People will be looking at you. They know you're a Christian. They'll be watching you. How do you speak about what's going on? How do you speak about your own life, your own hopes? How do you get your hands dirty as you get involved in compassion and in love? People will be watching. So preach the word. Share the faith. St. Francis of Assisi used to say, preach the word, and if necessary, use words. What he was saying was that so much of this will be about our lifestyle and our manner and the way that we hold ourselves. Of course, it will involve words too. 1 Peter 3, we read that we should always be able to answer people who, who ask us questions about our hope. That pre presumes and presupposes that we stand out in this culture as people of hope. So Paul would definitely say to us, preach the word. Don't worry that it's a weird time, a time of anxiety. In fact, all the better, all the bigger the chance to share our faith. The second thing he would say, and can we have the last slide, please, Georgie, is that we should keep our heads Paul was facing a time of uncertainty and anxiety, just as we are. He knew that it could all go to pot. And in fact, he speaks to the fact that around him, Christians are beginning to argue with each other, and one group's going one way, and another group is going another way, and fault lines are appearing in the life of the church. Well, friends, not here. Not here at Christ Church. Anxiety and fear and uncertainty stalk the land. They inhabit uh, the, our news websites and the radio and the telly. They stalk our hearts as well. We have to keep our heads. Keeping our heads is not just an act of willpower or summoning up courage. Rather, it is rooted in a Christian perspective. 
rooted in what is important and what is true and what is eternal. The next months will make big demands of us all. We will be tempted to panic on occasion. We will be tempted when we panic because we are human to blame other people or to fall out with other people or to give up or to live in perpetual fear. And there will be hardship for some of us, physical and emotional and psychological and financial and spiritual. Some of us will find ourselves uh, deliberately or uh, quite surprised, but on the front line. All of us will be tempted to think, God and my faith and my duties and ministries within the church are going to have to go on pause for a while. Because right now, I just need to hunker down and keep my head down and get on uh, with survival. That is not what we're called to do. Uh, Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all duties of your ministry. This is the perfect time for us to be out and involved and caring and showing compassion and grace and mercy. We will probably need to be flexible and creative, but that's why we have Jack. Okay? He is our secret weapon. Am I right? We have phones and email and WhatsApp and we have a website and we have a Jack. Uh, one, of the, one of the challenges for many people, I think particularly older people, is actually going to be boredom. Now, they're talking in some places about locking people over 70. Sorry, Dad. Uh, they're locking them up for months and months on end. I mean, how dreadful. Some, some of us are going to be bored. Some of us are going to be lonely. This is an unprecedented season in our lives. I was talking to somebody this morning, so I raised the question this morning. When was the last time, in the sense, that the whole nation was on tenterhooks as it is now? And one person came up to me and said, I remember it. It was 1962, and it was the Cuban Missile Crisis. If you don't know anything about that, you just need to know that Russia and America nearly went uh, to nuclear war with each other. And Stephen, who I talked to this morning, said, that's the last time I remember that everybody was as anxious and on edge as they are now. This is once in a generation stuff. So we need to hear God's voice in this. And we want our community and our nation to hear God's voice uh, as uh, we currently are heading sort of headlong and head down and self-absorbed. As we watch and as we speak, great nations and great leaders are being humbled. And we are confronted by our inability to control things and to be self-sufficient. And as communities, we are pushed back together. And friends, we should be right in the thick of it. So this morning we heard from Rachel, uh, who's just had some brilliant ideas, uh, you know, one of which uh, was uh, just to, she, was, she said, I'm going to go and do it this afternoon. I'm going to write out cards. I'm going to put them through the letterboxes of all my neighbors. And on the cards, it's just an invitation uh, to join a WhatsApp group and so that we can look after each other. Last night, she, went, she lives in Eastleigh. She went on the, uh, on the Eastleigh Facebook page and she just posted something saying, we all need to look after each other. We need to sort of form a posse so that if people need to self-isolate, uh, we can know that. They can tell us we can go and give them food or go and collect prescriptions for them. After an hour and a half last night, she'd had 80 responses with people saying, yep, 
count me in, let's make this happen. This is the time. This is the time for us to be in the thick of all of this, like glue, bringing people together, forced back, some of us, to the people in our streets, the people next door, who we haven't talked to for ages and ages and ages, and suddenly the need is real. Let me end with a couple of things. Firstly, just to say, we are taking this really seriously. So we're looking at it every day, and we are acting on the latest guidance, so we will always be doing what is right throughout this uh, time. Secondly, just to say, if you find yourself poorly and ill, particularly if you've got symptoms, uh, the, you know, the two classic symptoms are the bad cough and the temperature, please don't come to church. Don't be brave or stoical or foolhardy. If you're poorly, stay at home and get better and follow all the advice. Don't come and share it with the rest of us, please. We love you, but we don't love you that much. <laughs> Next thing, we need to be praying. I mean, it sort of sounds obvious, but we need to be praying. We need to be praying for people who are on the front line, and we're going to do that in a moment. We need to be praying for our leaders, both locally and nationally. No, I, but what I've done, I've, I've shamelessly copied this from elsewhere, because the virus is called COVID-19, I have set an alarm for 1,900 hours, 7 o'clock in the evening, on my phone. So every single day, that alarm will go off at 1,900 hours, just a little alarm on my phone, and that's just two minutes to pray and to use what I know about what's going on uh, to pray uh, for the situation. I would encourage you to do the same so that throughout this process, we remain prayerful people. Now, next, we will stack the website. When I say we, I sort of mean Jack and Paul, really. Uh, but we will stack it with good resources, testimony, stories, music to listen to, stuff to read and reflect on, uh, things to make you chuckle. So even if you can't get to everything or even anything, church will carry on until all of this is over. No doubt about it. And all the one another's that we've been looking at and been amazed by over the last couple of months, all of those still count. So if you're in a small group, that's the group of people you need to look after. If you're in a band or a ministry area, that's the group of people you need to look after. I can't look after everybody, but together we can look after everybody. So please be on the lookout, be on the watch for people who need practical help. Last of all, let me talk about finances. Some of us may face financial challenge over these next weeks and months. Maybe you run a small business, a coffee shop, or something like that. Maybe your, you know, your income is going to be massively challenged, or there are going to be extra expenses. We have a fund at Christchurch, which is called the Early Church Fund, and it was set up because a group of people here wanted Christchurch to be like the early church. In the early church, people shared what they, have, uh, what they had so that no one was in need. And that's what we continue to do. So we have an early church fund. And so if you or someone that you know that is even remotely within the sort of the family of Christchurch generously understood, if you are in financial difficulty, we want to know and we want to help, please. So don't suffer financially in silence. Please. 
and don't let anybody else that you know within the vague orbit of our church suffer financially either. We have funds available, and we want to make them uh, available to anybody uh, that needs them. So please, if that is the situation, uh, come and talk uh, to me or to one of the team, and we will make that happen. Thank you so much for listening to me uh, tonight. Uh, we will be praying all the way through this, and we will be asking the question, what is this situation teaching us as God's people? What is it teaching us about what we need to do differently? What is it highlighting about the people that we've forgotten? And we need your answers to all of those questions uh, to come through this as God intends. Uh, let me pray as we finish. Loving God, we thank you for this time that we have shared together, and we commend each other to your care. Help us, Lord, to preach the word in season and out of season, even when it feels awkward, even when fear is holding us back. And Lord, help us to keep our heads uh, that we would not succumb to panic or fear. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.